Yeah, I like the idea of being a one-time bully. You know, because when you hear about bullying, and bullying at any stage, you know, of course we think of bullying as something that happens in the schoolyard, but it happens in the office, it happens everywhere. But when you think about the word bullying, you think of it as this kind of continual behavior. Like the same person waits for you to show up every day, and they're like, hey, Oh, looks like your dick shrank a little more last night. You even got a dick left? You know, whatever they say to you. Uh, you know, they do it every day or they do it often to where you expect it. You have a relation. You're in a relationship with your bully. You're in a, it's, it's the first relationship of your life is you and your bully. You have a commitment together. Your bully insults you every day and you cower. But yeah, you think of it as this sort of chronic, ongoing thing. You don't think of somebody being a one-time bully. But I like the idea of bullying somebody once, just enough to get them on edge, just enough to knock them off balance. And then when you never bully them ever again, they can never get completely comfortable. They can never be totally comfortable because they don't know. You know, you bullied them once, so who is to say that you won't bully them again? It's... You know, I mean, someone could see it as a power move, but I wouldn't even see it that way. You know, I'm not completely sick. I don't see this as, just, as purely a way to get power over somebody. I think it's just funny. I think it's just funny, the idea of knocking someone off balance with a, a good old session of bullying. A bout of meanness, maybe. And so This is what we call a good old bout of meanness. Just enough. And then never do it again because it'd be so confusing. It's like they know that you're capable of bullying. And what I'm talking about is actually what everybody does all the time. <laughs> you know, here I am. I'm like being a one-time bully, which, oh, you mean getting mad? Oh, you mean uh, being normal? Oh, hey, uh, you know, when I was growing up, this kid, he was mean to me once. It was a, he was a one-time, he's what we call a one-time bully. No, the reality is that's what a kid does. Kids have to be mean to each other. But you never hear bullying talked about like this. You never hear it talked about this way. It's just this one-size-fits-all where, like, you know, pull the alarm, smash the glass, you know, the second that a kid is mean to another kid. But, you know, I think there's a difference between that, between just kids, you know, butting heads. Maybe one kid is a little worse than the other. Maybe one kid is the source of the problem, but there's a difference between that and just ongoing, terrorizing, harassing. But uh, I do think it's funny, the idea of just like establishing yourself as someone capable of bullying and then never doing it again. A lot of people probably, it's my nickname. That's, that's my nickname at work. I mean, that's kind of what people do. That's kind of what hazing is in a way. And I think what I'm talking about is going on all the time. We just don't call it bullying. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's sort of what hazing is. Like being very hard on a new recruit. Being mean to them. Making their life hell in some cases. Some hazing is just really horrible. I mean, we hear that, we think of frat parties, but it happens all the time. I mean, sometimes a new employee at a job gets hazed. Oh, anybody, oh yeah, you know, our uh, 
Our receptionist, you know, the first month that our new receptionist works here, we throw her lunch in the garbage every day before she can eat it. It's it's how we haze people. I think that's bullying. I think that's <laughs> I think throwing your coworkers lunch in the garbage uh, even once. That's something where if you do that even once, you know, you can't recover from that. That's why you have to be very careful with your one-time bullying because you don't want to cause serious harm. You don't want to ruin your life or anybody else's life, and it is about ruining your life. Because if you're going to be a one-time bully, you have to be thinking about me, me, me. You got to be, got to get some healthy narcissism going. But no, it's not about power. You never want it to be about power, because that's what they say in all the college classrooms. They 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 say they tell you, no, 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 bullying. It's not about it's not about being mean. It's about power. Bullying is about, it's only about power, men. Excuse me, men. Bullying is only about power. It has nothing to do with the joy of being mean. I disagree with that. I say, you know, bullying isn't as much about power as people think. I think there's, there's uh, I mean, it's entertainment for people. And I'm not a bully. I'm a one-time bully. Like many of us, I'm a one-time bully. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been a real bully. I have this sort of scenario in my head, though, where I don't know where I saw this. I'm trying to think. If you know where this comes from, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's almost like a trope. And I've seen it, you know, you see it in, like, school shows. You see it in cartoons about kids in school and, and you know, TV shows about kids in middle school, the Wonder Years. You, you see it in those sorts of things. But I feel like I have this visual of something where there's like an adult male who starts somewhere, maybe a job, maybe a gym. I don't really know. But another adult male comes up to him and, and says on the first day, like, I'm your bully. Every day you're going to see my face. I feel like that's probably in a lot of things now that I think about it. But I have this very specific memory of that. And I don't know if it's an actual thing I saw. Or if it's just sort of something I imagined, some 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 sort of uh, I don't know, like a collage of things. Because you see that a lot in like school shows, like I'm saying, like where the bully says to the to the main kid, like, "Hey, hey, Johnson, you know, whatever it is. Hey, Johnson, what'd your mom put in the the paper sack today for you? What's in the paper sack for mommy today, Johnson? You know, the that sort of bully that that always gets established. But uh, there's definitely adult bullies in movies and TV shows. And that's something, actually, a one-time bully doesn't work very well in, in, in stories, you know, in entertainment, in TV. One-time bullies don't really work because if you have a character who is just uncharacteristically mean to another character one time on a show, it's going to confuse the audience. You know, I mean, in the same way that being really mean to somebody once is going to confuse that person when you're never mean to him again. In the same way that, you know, it works that way, the audience feels that way if you do that on a TV show or in a movie. Like, there's some character, and they just there's a scene that, like, should surely establish them as a villain. And then the rest of the time, they're good. The rest of the time, they're polite. 
they're a good character, you know, without some sort of story to go along with it too. Cause they can always explain things like that. Be like, Oh, his, his wife died the night before and his kid fell off his bicycle. So he was feeling stressed out and therefore took it out on this character. And now he, now we're going to watch as he, as they recover together, <laughs> you know, that's what you would see. But just the idea of a character randomly bullying another character, even on a school show, that would actually be funny on a school show because it would be realistic, you know, because school shows will, they will have a kid who is the bully and he looks like a bully and he acts like a bully and he usually has a bully name. And there's no doubt about who the bully is. But the idea of having like a, I'm trying to think of the way to put it. It's almost like a, it's like a rotating cast of bullies because that's what growing up is actually like. Yeah, every once in a while there's a kid who actually is a serious problem. But growing up feels more like it's some sort of, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's just like a rotating cast where everybody has to be the bully once. Everybody has to be the bully once. Like, that's part of your graduation requirements. Like, did you... Was there a day sometime while you were in high school that you played the role of the bully? Was there one day where you did that? Okay, cool. You're, you'll graduate. You get your participation points. You have to get your gym credit. You got to get your math credit. You got to get your bully credit. And then you do that to your coworkers too. Be the bully at work. That's a whole other level. Anybody can be a bully growing up. Anybody can be a one-time bully. Anybody can be a small-time bully growing up. But when you become an adult and you continue to bully people, that's amazing. Doing that at work. Not just bullying people out in... in you know, I got bullied the other day. I mentioned it on here, but a guy... A guy in a hot rod just really rode my ass uh, in a way that was just completely violating. You know, like not even just tailgating, but somebody who's deliberately trying to mess with you. Uh, and that's bullying. It's, it's, there's a lot of bullies on the road. And I don't give that much credit. I'm not a fan of that. Although I, I now, now that I mention it, I say now that you mention it, I mean now that I mention it, uh, the idea of a... One time, like if you only had road rage once, like if you just horrifically tailgated somebody one time in your entire life, it's, you know, it's, it's the same idea. It's the one time bullying. But yeah, if you just rode someone's ass once, especially with somebody else isn't like, say there's somebody else in the car with you, your, you know, girlfriend or a friend is in the car and they know how you drive. Like they know that you're a very lawful laid-back driver, and then one time, not because you're mad, not for any reason, you just tailgate the hell out of somebody. You act like the Tex Avery wolf, you know, you're just, the, the, the veins are popping out of your neck, your eyes are bulging, and you're just, this one person is just the object of all your wrath, and then you go back to normal and you never do it again. You just go back to normal. You never do it again. You act like it never happened. In fact, you gaslight your girlfriend about it when she brings it up. Like, remember that time that you horrifically tailgated and road bullied that poor woman 
in the minivan and you say, I don't know, I don't, that never happened. That never happened. You're telling me that I was a one-time road bully? <laughs> and you turn that into a bullying, then you bully your girlfriend about that. No. But bullying isn't actually, uh, you know, like I said, there's there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum to bullying. And it's like, yeah, you have this horrible, chronic, suicide-driving bullying that we all agree is, is you know, horrible. But then there's just the, like kind of a, a light bullying. And the thing is, when you don't experience that, things that aren't even remotely mean become mean to people. It's like I mentioned a little while back how a study shows that uh, Zomers, Generation Zomers, consider punctuation in text messages to be aggressive. Like if you put a period at the end of a sentence in a text message, studies show, studies show that Zomers find that aggressive. Like you're making, like you're you're making your statement more bold or something. You know what I mean? Where. Like if you were to, res- and it makes sense. I, I know I've gone over this before, but it's one of those things that I have to add. It makes I understand why they think that. It's not that it's a total mystery to me because if I ask my friend a question and he messages me back with yes, period, that to me sounds like my question was annoying. I mean, it's certainly not a conversation starter. And that's the weird thing, too, is how the word yes has even become kind of seen as kind of aggressive. Like if you don't say yep or yeah, saying just yes, even without a period, even without that dangerous grenade. Oh, you remember periods? Yeah, we used to use these things called periods until Generation Zomers thought they were grenades. You hear what Zomers call periods? They call them mind grenades. (laughs) They call them mind grenades because when they see a text message that ends in a period, it's like something explodes in their brains. Um, no, I understand it, though. I understand why there's a certain, would uh, the word be terse? You know, there's, there's kind of a, there's a firmness. There's a firmness to putting a period at the end of a text message. But for an entire generation to see that as aggressive says something about them that does say something about them and it this is another one of those territories that I don't like to go down which people have been doing forever which is the the oh the younger generations are bigger pussies than we are hey did you hear that the younger people are bigger pussies you know it's sort of this thing that people say in one way or another somebody the, the, people get very creative Oh, they didn't do the thing that we did. and But I mean, there's also some truth to it because people's lives do get softer and softer. So, I mean, there is some truth to that, too. Uh, you know, and I mean, the number of men who can do, you know, rugged things has decreased. You know, I understand that whole thing, but it's so easy to go there. And when you find yourself old enough to start saying things like that, you know, you got to be careful. You know, because I'm not out to, you know, it's too easy for me to divide myself from Zomers. I mean, I, I really want their acceptance. I really, I crave acceptance from Zomers. 
And I have far too little interaction with Zomers, all right? I have far too little interaction with Generation Z. I don't have nearly enough of them. And I, I, What's their age? It's what, like 10 years old to uh, 25? I don't, I don't know what the range is. But either way, I don't have nearly enough people of those ages in my life to influence me. It's not about me influencing them. I would hate to influence a Zomer. If a Zomer wants to be like me, they are basically committing, um, they're basically chopping their legs off. You know, a Zomer who were to think like I do would be crippling themselves. They would be mentally crippling themselves. I would hate to hear that a Zomer, you know, wanted to be like me. But me, on the other hand, I want to be more like them. What can I learn from you? What can I, what sort of, I mean, there's all sorts of things you can ask them. There's all sorts of things you can ask Zomers. Um, I mean, I, I've stopped using periods. I've stopped using those mind grenades, those little dots that we put at the end of sentences. Because, hey, if it's hostile to Zomers... Well, anything that's hostile to a Zomer is hostile to me too, baby. You know, if it it hurts one, it hurts all. If a period hurts one Zomer, it hurts me too. And that's how we have to feel about everything, all right? I know the best way to get over our collective pain is for us all to feel it all the time. Otherwise, we're not honoring other people's voices. If we don't all feel horrible all the time, you know, we're not honoring each other. We have to honor each other by feeling horrible all the time. Where does that come from? How is that desirable? I mean, you could say it's a a misery loves company sort of idea, but I've disproven that on here. I've disproven the misery loves company idea because the reality is misery doesn't love company. It hates company, but it invites it in anyway. And then it complains about whatever it wants to complain about. And then when the company starts telling the host what they they have a problem with, you know, the host will talk at length. They'll bring, they'll, oh, come inside, come inside. And then they'll talk to the, to the company about all, all kinds of problems, every little thing, from a leaky faucet to a relative, from people to inanimate objects. A miserable person will complain about anything and everything. But then when their guest starts complaining to them about their problems, they say, oh, it's time to go. Oh, I thought you were here to listen to my problems. I didn't, re- oh, I didn't realize that you thought that this was some sort of reciprocal thing where I complain about my problems and then you get to complain about your problems. When you come into my house, we talk about my problems. And I got a lot of them. Then when you start talking about your problems, you're a downer. Me, I'm just talking about my problems. You, you're a downer. Oh, you need to get your, you need to be grateful. You need to get out of my house. You practically invited yourself here. 
And then the next person comes over and Misery invites them. And even though they hate them, even though Misery hates all these people, they invite them in warmly because it's somebody new to complain to. It's somebody new to recruit to your side of the the problem. And then guess what? The, the great thing about that revolving door, about Misery inviting many different people in, is it gets to complain about the last person to the next person. That's one of Misery's favorite things to do in the world. That's one of the all-time greats, as far as Misery is concerned, is, oh, come in, come in. Let me tell you about the person who was in your seat earlier. Let me tell you about the person who was in your seat an hour ago. Would you believe that they had the audacity to complain to me about their problems? As if I don't got enough. You know, it's... That's what misery loves more than anything is is getting the the old piggyback. When uh, it can piggyback on on the back, uh, whatever I don't I don't know why I called it piggybacking. Just sounded good. <laughs> How many things just sound good? How many things do you say just because they sound good? I've gotten to that point in my life where I don't even care about the meanings of words. If it just sounds good and makes the point, I don't feel like anybody else pays attention either. I feel that I'm constantly, there's two things that I feel that I'm constantly doing and I know I'm constantly doing them. And that's mispronouncing words and using words wrong, you know, using the wrong definition of a word, using a word in a way that it's not supposed to be used. I know that I do those things. I also feel that I believe I'm doing that when I'm not. But I'm needing to accept now that it doesn't make a difference either way. Where if it just sounds good and makes the point I want it to make on a sonic level, that seems okay to me. And and maybe I've been doing that all along anyway. (laughs) Maybe that's what I've been doing all along anyway my entire life. Every once in a while someone will correct me on something. And I'll just think, oh wait, okay. Like, I didn't think the word precocious meant what it meant. I'm not sure what I thought it meant. You know, it's another one of those things. where I, I think I just liked the sound of it. And one time I was talking about my dentist, and I used the word precocious. I think I meant precarious. I don't know what I meant. I meant basically like, because I I'd heard, no, he, I heard he had died. I had heard my, he was my orthodontist, and I heard he had died and I was like, yeah, well, he always seemed kind of precocious. And what I meant by that was he seemed like physically ill. Like he seemed like like he was going to die young. I, I mean, that sounds horrible. But I mean, he, he seemed like somebody who had health problems. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very harsh way of saying somebody has health problems. He seems like he's going to die young. <laughs> oh, yeah, he always seemed, he seemed precocious. What does that mean? Oh, it means you're going to die young. <laughs> that, That'd be a good. That'd be a good one. If you're, that'd be the, that's that's the new catch-all. If you get a, the definition of a word wrong, like if somebody ever says to you, oh, "I think you're using that word wrong," say, "No, I'm not." And if they say, "Well, I think you are," it mean, what do you think it means? What do you think that word means? Just tell them it means to die young. It means to die young, baby. Um, no, but I used precocious to refer to my my orthodontist who had died, and I think it was my mom was like. I, precocious like you know I don't think that means what what you think it means and it it turns out it didn't precocious is like when a child says something like from the mouth of babes sort of thing like when a kid says something and you're like oh wow kids 
you know, that's precocious, it turns out. And I was referring to my orthodontist that way. And you can hear Batty growling here. He's playing tug-of-war. Um, it's quite a growl. I bet, oh, he totally cares what the definition of precocious is. You know, my dog told me what the definition of precocious is. Or it also sounds like some sort of food. Sounds like some sort of like, uh, I guess, piroshki maybe is what I'm thinking of. Oh, is this a precocious? It's called a piroshki. Yeah, that's what I said, a piroshi. That's what I said, a, per, uh, a precocious. That's what I said, a precarious can't do this tongue twister oh is this a precarious precocious per per i don't know um yeah i think it's about all we got tonight here i think it's about all we got um but uh yeah just making sounds because that's all we're doing just making sounds you know there's nothing intelligent there's nothing productive to say ever again these sounds once had great meanings. These sounds all once had wonderful definitions that you know were very powerful. We have we had great orators. We had wonderful authors. We did, believe it or not, we did. But it's not that humans have always just been making noises because I, I hear people say that. That's like a Joe Rogan type thought. Like you know, we're re- we're just making uh, noises at each other, man. Do you ever think about the fact that we're just making noises at each other? You know, nothing wrong with that thought, but that's not what I'm getting at here. You know, what I'm getting at is that these things uh, once meant far more than just noises. They once, you know, had great, wonderful meanings and orators and authors. You know, it was the gospel. But we're reaching a point where they don't. We're reaching a point where the words don't have meanings. It's like... We've gone in the opposite direction. You know, and this came up years ago with when the emoji, not the word emoji, but when an emoji itself won word of the year. The idea of emojis won word of the year. Uh, I think it was Oxford, whatever the dictionary is. They have a word of the year and they didn't use the word emoji. It wasn't that they thought the word emoji was the word of the year. This was that emojis themselves were the word of the year. And it's like, that's not a word, man. And this is too obvious. This is too easy. I mean, it almost seems like it was designed to get this kind of response. And clearly I haven't gotten over it. But it's like by very, by its very definition, those aren't words. By their very definition... We drew things, you know, we had uh, whatever it's called the Egyptians did. I I always forget what that's called. Um, But we had symbols, and we used symbols for things. And sometimes those symbols, you know, represented something that was, they they, they carried a message that was easily understood in the same way that an emoji does. But they're not words. Words are an abstraction, a further abstraction. And so what's funny is that I'm talking here about how everything is losing its definition. And when Oxford five years ago, I mean, this was years ago now, made emojis their word of the year, they actually removed the definition from the word word. They took away the definition from the word word. 
because by making an emoji the word of the year, the word word no longer actually has any meaning. Oh, by word, oh, you mean uh, smiley faces. Because, you know, I know when somebody says word, like when somebody's talking about words, I'm imagining a bunch of smiley faces. One of them's in sunglasses. One of them's a cactus. One of them's not even a, a human. One of them's, you know, uh, uh, it's food. I don't know, whatever. They have everything. You know, they have all kinds of versions of these things. But it's like to make that a word. Are my drawings words? When I draw something, is that actually a piece of literature? Somebody asks me what I do, and I tell them I'm an author. Oh, so what do you like to do in your spare time? Actually, I'm an author. Oh, what kind of things do you write? Well, let me show you. Let me show you what I write. And I show them a drawing, and they go, that's a drawing. Go, guess, you're not, guess you don't keep up on the, in the dictionary, huh? Guess you don't keep, I guess you don't pay much attention to the word of the year, because it turns out word uh, has no definition. Therefore, everything I do is a form of writing. If emojis are words then my drawings are books. (laughs) I understand those accents sort of flip-flop there. Not that it matters. Well, because if words don't have their meaning, accents don't. And I'm actually surprised there isn't more stealing of accents or fake accents. You know, Madonna was the one who got the most shit for that, which I don't know. I mean, if you spend enough time living in a foreign country, I don't know, maybe you do adopt some of the some of the accents I don't know you know it's it's easy to blame somebody for that uh, and it's also easy to believe Madonna's pretentious you know whatever it is uh, I mean it's a good opportunity to bully somebody the only the only celebrity that I ever said anything negative about was Madonna for her fake British accent and then I never said anything else about any other celebrities because I'm a one-time bully I do a one and one and run and uh, I'll say something really nasty about Eminem's new album. But uh, all the rest of his albums are, I mean, they deserve the sales they get, baby. They deserve the sales they get, baby. Yeah. Uh-huh.